everyone. This is Sound Health Radio with Richard Talk to Me Guy. And Sherry Edwards is, as I say each week, off working on the Sound Health Portal, which has really evolved tremendously, especially from the days of when you had to carry a laptop around to have all the software, which you can still do. But having the soundhealthportal.com really makes doing it everywhere so much easier. Currently, there are some campaigns at the Sound Health Portal where you can have a trial and get a report and see how the system works and the kind of information that you receive. And you can go to soundhealthportal.com, click on services, and then click on the campaigns. And there you'll see at the top, you will see uh, Sherry's current work looking at the Corona conflict. It's called Corona Conflict. It's a report that Sherry wrote at the current work that she's finding in vocal profiling that. And then if you want to do a campaign, which is they rotate through software that you can sign up for a free account and choose among things such as bio diet, which looks at your assimilation diets. It's a very robust program. It's one of my favorites. Although I really am still quite fond of neuroplasticity because that looks at how the brain is firing and what's going on up there, which I'm always fascinated by, or even golf which I laugh about every week because I think it's amazing that you can do a 45-second recording of your voice, or in this case, two 40-second recordings, submit that and read the report, take it to your practitioner, work on what might be out of balance, either too low or too high. And this is true of all the reports. We're looking at either something can be too low, too much, too high, any of those categories, which has to do with methylation, all sorts of amazing things. Let's say that you pick neuroplasticity. So you do two 45-second recordings. As you submit those, you choose the campaign that you want, like neuroplasticity. And within two to 24 hours, I've rarely waited more than 10, but sometimes up to 24 hours when it's really, really jamming. You'll get a report in an email with all sorts of information. I suggest you sit down with a cup of tea or some beverage and just read through it all because it's a lot. And then if you want, you can take it to your healthcare practitioner and they can look at it and see if they can help you work on those imbalances. Sometimes something can be high or elevated because you're not assimilating it correctly or not assimilating it well or somewhere in the cascade of assimilation, something, I don't know, falls over or is stressed out or inflamed. We'll be talking a lot about inflammation with our guest, Dr. Mary Clifton. So either hypertonistic, too much, or hypotonistic, not enough, or too low. It's just amazing. It's extraordinary. You can also go to soundhealthoptions.com and go to media and look at any number of the classes that Sherry has shown, demonstrations online, where she'll take uh, somebody live on air and record their voice and run it through the software. And then you'll see the kind of visual aid that are available on the soundhealthportal.com. Highly recommended. Then on this show and other shows, you can find the replay of this show about 15 minutes, uh, maybe 30 minutes sometimes afterwards by going to soundhealthoptions.com, click on the radio tab, and then click on Sound Health Radio. You'll find this show at the top with the information and links to take you back to Blog Talk Radio where all of Dr. Mary's links are. And or at the very top, you'll find links to Stitcher and or Pocket Cast. Pocket Cast is my preferred podcast aggregator. You can follow and subscribe things. I know I say this every week, but this again is one of those shows where you're going to want to listen to the information again. And I bet pass it on to friends because this is really a, a great subject. Cannabis, CBD, THC, education, information, knowledge. Goodness knows I'm a fan of knowledge. And Dr. Mary Clifton is a thought leader in this arena. Be able to find, if you click on, let's say, Pocket Casts, a page will open up and it'll show this show at the top, usually within about 30 minutes to an hour. Podcast aggregators are slightly slower. And you'll be able to listen to it there, as well as you'll see the other shows I've done recently. I think it shows up to about a year or two shows in the scroll, if you keep scrolling down. 
Pocket Cast is really handy because it's easy to share from the listening. You'd be able to share that link directly to other people who want more information, in this case, about cannabis. With that, Mary Clifton, MD, is a board-certified, licensed internal medicine doctor practicing in Manhattan. She's a recognized expert in CBD and cannabis, as well as the founder of CBDandCannabisInfo.com and the highly respected professional certification course, The Cannabinoid Protocol. She provides specialized consultation on patient and provider education, telemedicine, and cannabinoids, and has worked with several pharmaceutical, CBD, and cannabis corporations on areas of product development, speakers bureau, spokesperson, telemedicine, medical and scientific directorship in the U.S., Europe, Asia, and Africa. Dr. Clifton is the best-selling author of The Grass is Greener, Medical Marijuana, THC, and CBD Oil, Reversing Chronic Pain, Inflammation, and Disease, Get Wasted, and Bow Wow CBD-infused dog treats and food, as well as five companion cookbooks. She is also written for Green Entrepreneur, Forbes, Mind Body Green, Green Nurse Blog, The Complete Guide to Medical Marijuana Magazine, Women's World, and more. Her training tools teach healthcare providers and experts how to provide guidance and recommendations for their patients and clients. Dr. Mary joins us to talk about her research with CBD and cannabis regarding anxiety, cancers, sleep disorders, ADHD, and more. Welcome, Dr. Mary Clifton. Thank you, Richard. Thanks for having me. You bet. All right, everybody sit back, relax, please uh, have your seats in the upright position. This is an amazing person I get to speak with. This is very exciting. I have to ask, it's not because you, I mean, you have, you had a successful or have a successful practice as an internist. And yet, because that wasn't arduous enough, at some point you decided, okay, I want to know about cannabis. And now I'm going to be one of the foremost experts. How, how did that happen? Yeah, I've been practicing internal medicine for 25 years, and uh, it it happened three or four years ago when I uh, I was doing hospice for a few people that I really loved. I have, you know, as an internist, you take care of uh, grownups. It's a it's like a pediatrician for grownups. So, it, you know, my average age of my population has always been mid 60s. You know. And I've always taken care of people uh, as it goes who are who are in hospice for all kinds of different conditions. But a few years ago, my brother was diagnosed with colon cancer. And rather than handling the hospice through the hospice nurses, I uh, was at the bedside myself administering his medication. And I have to say, just with a very unsuccessful outcome. I had all of the medications that you would expect I would have in a in a hospice model, in a Western medicine model, and my brother was uncomfortable the whole time. We, I, I had very poor control of his condition. And I was sorry for it, but I did everything I could. I did everything I knew to do at the time. But then a few months later, I was at the bedside of a girlfriend who was diagnosed with ovarian cancer, and she used a significant amount of medical cannabis, which I really knew nothing about, and uh, other than providing an occasional card for an occasional patient over the years. But her course was so much simpler, and, and her symptoms were so much better controlled than my brother's that I wondered, you know, if there was something to this. So I did what doctors do. I went and researched all about cannabis and the dying process. Uh, and then I guess just never stopped. <laughs> There's <laughs> all of this research that I had no idea existed. And I think a lot of other doctors have no idea exists. So it's uh, my goal to bring all of that research forward in very easy to watch, understandable videos. Um, and so far, I've created about 100 of them. She says casually, just like, just like you do. It's amazing. I, I really, people, I, I, I know I often say this, that you want a cup of tea with this, but if you go to CBD and cannabis com, have a beverage, be comfortable. You could be there for a really long time. It's a, 
it's an amazing resource of information. I'm a, I'm a big fan of that. I think it's oh, really. Thank you so much. You bet. I, I think it's interesting uh, for me personally, as an herbalist, I had an herb store, got my degree as a master herbalist in the, oh boy, early eighties, um, probably the late seventies early. And I had a hospice nurse approach me in the herb store and she was the head of a local hospice and she wanted me to work with her on suppositories using cannabis because she, because of everything that you just talked about. So I helped her formulate various kinds of, and people, and these were willing people. These were people who wanted to have be out of that state that the drugs Mm -hmm. take you to a certain point, but the cannabis really aids in the relaxation or the transformation. I'll, I'll ask you more about that, but that was my introduction into using cannabis in that way. And it was an amazing experience to be with people who are in really shocking pain and how you would see their, their system relax or transform. I mean, it was really, it was life-changing for me. It gave me a completely different perspective on cannabis. So I think that's an amazing area. A very remarkable, uh, powerful medicine. Uh, that that I I had uh, a, a very little understanding for too, but there's uh, quite a bit of research around the death and dying process. It's really the pioneers in the 1980s and 90s that we can thank for all of the work that's been done with medical cannabis since that time. The um, you know particularly the HIV/AIDS community and the mm-hmm. cancer community you know, approached their healthcare providers and said, you know, we really need to have the, uh, the, these, these, these plants. They make us feel better and they handle our symptoms better than anything else we have. And, uh, and that resulted in, you know, some of the compassionate use laws that initially came into play before medical cannabis laws or recreational laws were ever even considered. And then, uh, you know, these uh, amazing healthcare workers, like the one you described, who are creating suppositories or edibles for people who are, who were in real need. But that drove a broader conversation that eventually, you know, has led us to where we are today with this uh, broader, more, you know, broader legalization than ever before. It's a, it's a very exciting time. I've uh, interviewed Elizabeth Dost, uh, who's a cannabis. Uh, she's also a hospice manager, more on a, has been a more on a corporate level, and now she's back in the field being more hands-on again. And she's worked in hospice for decades. And she added cannabis into the mix. So she, she discovered cannabis for her own pain issues. She had a kind of arthritis. I can't remember which kind. And she started using it to reduce pain so she'd be able to sleep better. And then it, then it just eventually ended up, I guess it's always kind of been in the, I'll say shadows, because I remember even working with this hospice mm-hmm. nurse that it was always, it, I can't say it was sneaky, but it was definitely, she could approach me because she knew me already. So she felt comfortable mm-hmm. having that conversation. But this was in the 80s, man. This is in the 80s, man, when people were just smoking it like crazy. Not that they don't today. So it was really, and I know that Elizabeth has been in the industry for a long time as well. And it was always amazing to me how from the outside as an herbalist looking in going, why aren't people just able to have access to this for, particularly in the hospice community where you're there because you're dying. What? Why can't they have this? I mean, it really is. I'm so happy to see it coming out. Well, I think a lot of the issues, you know, were were a, a lot of hype and bias and not really research-based. I mean, for example, one of the big concerns people have is that it'll get into the hands of youngsters and then cause, you know, problems with um, psychosis or mental illness or, you know, impacting your mental health. And th- the research around that is uh, is is really shaky. There's, you know, a, certainly a group of people who are experiencing anxiety and depression who use cannabis as a uh, self-medication, but it's not clear how many of those people were using cannabis before or after their diagnosis. And, uh, 
and it seems more likely that the cannabis mostly was a result of uh you know of uh of people trying to find something that would help them feel better rather than uh the cannabis actually uh uh causing the problem and there are reports of psychotic breaks for people um who use cannabis for the first time and some of that is blamed on the type of uh of product that they got into if it was a very high THC product or maybe was laced with something else but um but the the studies don't support that one particular strain uh in uh you know leads to a psychotic outcome and actually you know people who are using cannabis and people who aren't are are uh, admitted to inpatient psychiatric units at the same rate or at rates that you would expect you know and people that uh because only 20% of the population uses cannabis. So if 50% of the people in the psych unit were on cannabis, then that might be suggestive of something. But people that are admitted to psych units are using at the same rate as people who are out in the community. And the, um, you know, these in psychotic breaks like that, where somebody just, uh, you know, has what used to be referred to as reefer madness, uh, those uh, those breaks occur uh, commonly when people use cocaine for the first time, when people have been, you know, drinking heavily, you can have psychotic uh, uh, breaks. So any of these, any, any, um, and even some prescription therapies have been linked to it. So any number of medications and street drugs can cause that type of problem uh, in a young person. So it's, it's, um, that was something that I think was circulated and created a lot of fear um, and allowed cannabis to be positioned as a gateway drug, you know, but not, um, but wasn't really uh, based in fact. And now that we have good data, we can put that concept away a little, hopefully. <laughs> I was going to ask, <laughs> if you already mentioned it, how much longer does it ha- will it be before we actually escape the reefer madness it's just amazing to me that decades later, we still have that sort of reefer madness thing. I mean, I deal with a variety of practitioners privately, and there's still some every once in a while, which I'm really surprised, where they have just a surly bad attitude about cannabis. And it's mm-hmm. like, what, what, what? Read, go out there. It's just, there's still that knee-jerk reaction of reefer madness, which is a fi- which is a film made in the 50s, I believe, or 60s, that was just yeah, crazy. Yeah, a public health film, right? Yeah, it was a public health <laughs> film. Like, oh, my God, you know, you smoke a joint and you go to, you know, jail. It was, <laughs> it was ridiculous. It was just ridiculous. Yeah, well, but the other thing that, that, you know, that people, were, people worry that these products are going to get in the hands of somebody who shouldn't be using them, you know, because an adolescent doesn't need it for medicinal use. They're going to use it to, you know, have an experience to, to get high. And, uh, and people don't I think that that's a good idea. And truly in the hands of develop, uh, in, in developing brains, it's a bad idea. We don't, we really don't have enough data around it. And with, uh, you know, there's, 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 uh, unless you're in a significant, you know, health circumstance as a young person, you're, um, you're not, uh, you know, you, you, it's not wise to be involved in any type of drug use. However, there are, studies now looking at IQ um, across populations that have been followed for 25 or 30 years, you know, where they get a group of people and follow them over their lifetime and just ask them their questions about their life and see how they're doing. And, um, you know, that's how we get data about how it's important to get good sleep or it's an important thing to eat vegetables um, on a regular yeah. basis or, you know, the, 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 that type of population-based data comes from these kinds of studies. And the initial study in the UK that raised a, a concern was um, was two decades ago that saw a uh, six point decline in um, in intelligence. You know, not a massive decline, but in terms of an IQ, a few points is significant. And then. <clears throat> And then another, it took another 10 years before uh, a New Zealand paper uh, said that there was no difference in in a population-based trial for people who had used or not used cannabis. But it was actually the United States who had a much larger trial that included several pairs of discordant twins where one pair, one, one identical twin is using cannabis and the other identical twin is not using cannabis. And they were able to... Um, 
get all kinds of data that there's really no difference. Very powerful data in that study that there was no difference in IQ between people who use and people who don't. And, and the memory issues we thought that people were experiencing that were, you know, irreversible. Initially, we would say it would take three months to reverse them. Now there's studies definitely that things are back to normal in three weeks. And then uh, I just read a very reassuring study that said in as little as three days, most people are returned to normal. Wow. Wow. So a That's lot wonderful. of concerns that... Yeah, I think it's very exciting to speak to the safety of these products and make people feel a little bit more comfortable because there's a lot of other easy-to-use products like alcohol, you know, that that don't come with with uh, such a nice safety profile. <laughs> that's so that's so nicely put. You're such an excellent spokesperson. I'd be much surlier <laughs> about that. Why, yes, <laughs> that's so true. <laughs> um, Let's, I want to start with some foundational questions about, could you talk about the difference between endocannabinoids versus phytocannabinoids? Well, endocannabinoids are the, are the, uh, are the sort of the CBD and THC that the body makes on its own, if you will. You have, a, you have the endocannabinoid system, the CB1 and CB2 receptors that are located all throughout the body. And again, we can thank the, 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 uh, the scientists from the 80s and 90s who really started to explore this for all of this great data because the system wasn't even recognized until the 90s. And then uh, we learned more and more about how stimulation of the CB1 and CB2 receptors help the body to uh, restore homeostasis and balance in areas of stress and inflammation, not just in the brain, but throughout every organ in the body. And uh, with additional research, they were able to show that the body makes its own endocannabinoids, uh, the most prominent one being anandamide. So if we take a biopsy of somebody's um, inflamed uh, bowel, for example, you'll find higher concentrations of CB receptors in that area of inflammation where the body is trying to settle the inflammation down. It upregulates these CB receptors. And if you draw some fluid off of an inflamed knee, for example, um, you'll be able to find higher concentrations of anandamide, the body's naturally occurring uh, cannabinoid in that fluid. So the endocannabinoids are already working in your body to help to restore balance and homeostasis. The phytocannabinoids are what you bring into your body, if you like, through plants you know, with using CBD and extract from a hemp plant or, or cannabis. And then there's another level, there's the um, synthetic cannabinoids, where, they're, uh, where the molecule is replicated in the laboratory totally from scratch. It's not plant-derived, but uh, laboratory-derived. And now, again, as an herbalist, I have an opinion about synthetics. I do, do too. You do you, okay. Oh, good. Great. Excellent. What's your attitude? And I mean that in the nicest way. I always feel like whole plants are superior to vitamin C is superior. Vitamin C supplements are totally different than eating the orange. And the same is going to be true, I think, of most of these synthetic uh, extracts. I can see how there might be benefit to concentrating a particular a valuable product that the plant has, for example, in cancer patients or in patients with Crohn's disease or ulcerative colitis, I, I, I love the idea of having another, you know, uh, quiver in the bow for those patients. But the, um, but the majority of people, I think, are going to get the most benefit from a whole plant. Mic drop. Thank you. <laughs> I've always, ever since they came out with Marinol, I've been grousing about that, that it's just, you know, they try, this is such a classic Western medicine approach, the pharmaceutical approach of there's the thing, let's make the thing. And yet the idea of like, a, uh, for example, in my mind, one of the favorites of mine is there's an herb called valerian root. Well, Valium. Yeah was originally compounded out of valerian root. The key phrase to me there is out of. 
versus the idea of using the whole plant, the whole root, which might have other things in there we don't know have benefit that are actually tonics and benefit the nerve sheath versus, mm-hmm. oh, no, there it is. There's the synthetic. We have the synthetic. We can make the synthetic. No, stop that. I'm not saying that to you. That's just my attitude. That's my <laughs> attitude too. In, in in a lot of cases, we have, but but we do have some patients who, despite everything, we still don't have uh, still don't have things a hundred percent under control. You know, cancer patients and other patients with out of control inflammation, and who knows with the uh, with the changes in infectious disease, also looking for different products that can regulate inflammation differently than other products may help. You know, in the case of overwhelming pneumonias or you know serious viruses, so I think that there's some very interesting research. I just actually shot data. Um, I, sh- I just shot. I just produced and shot the uh, videos for asthma and uh, and uh, pneumonia and lower respiratory disease. And um, it, there's there's really virtually no evidence to support that there's any lung damage from, you know, it, from mild or moderate use of uh, cannabis, even in the inhaled form. And interestingly, it changes the way that the lung responds to inflammation. So the inflammatory cells, the macrophages that come in and, and make a big mess and create all the mucus and the, and the interleukins are not as stimulated. And interleukin production decreases in those lungs by, you know, by a significant amount in virtually every measured interleukin, but one or two. So it ha- appears to be a pretty powerful immune modulator, at least in the test tube. And then also in these rat models for um, asthma or guinea pig models where the um, animal has less bronchospasm uh, when it has a, an exposure to CBD. And in one study, THC was a direct bronchodilator. Wow. I used to have people it's twist really- up in the that's really that's wonderful. I used to have people add a little bit of uh, mullein or mullein to a joint back in the old days, and even today, because mullein is a bronchodilator, so it would actually cause relaxation. So you'd be able to get a little. Their goal was to get higher, and so that's what it did. But also, I had a uh, recently I had an elderly person, a friend of mine, who was talking about having COPD, and I didn't quite believe that. I thought it was other other things. And I found some hemp and had her twist that up with a little bit of meal. And, and she called me the next day and said, oh, my God, I slept through the night. I can't believe it. And it was just because wow. of that relaxation. It was really, it was wonderful. So I'm I'm happy to hear all of that because I, I'm such a fan of herbs, obviously, or evidently, one of those. And <laughs> the idea of people being able to, and this kind of goes back to hospice, people being able to take some control over their own outcome by dosage and, and how they get the thing into their system, which I was going to jump to, I have to ask this now, I was going to jump to something else, but I have to ask this. Do you observe differences in delivery systems and how do you figure out or configure the best delivery system for an individual or is it related to the condition? Well, the delivery systems uh, are are very interesting. There are so many different ways that people. I I was at a uh, show recently, and there was a Bluetooth controlled patch delivery system. <laughs> wow! I don't really know what the use, what the value of that product is, but they were saying if you're in a work environment where no one can know what you're doing or they want it. They they are going to allow you to use your medical cannabis, you know, because it's not DOT or something, but they, but they, um, you know, want you to keep it private. Then a patch like that where you can just punch into your phone is actually a, a really wonderful option for a lot of people. But the, I mean, the research argues that people do their best when they start out with an inhalational product or, you know, or a tincture, but really the best is an inhalation because then you can um, get the results so quickly. You know, some for some people, their inhalations have an almost immediate response into their brain. 
for other people, it takes as long as eight to nine minutes. But within 20 minutes, you know whether you have had enough or you need an additional adjustment and, and you need another administration. So it allows people to make these very quick decisions and adjust their treatments, you know, accordingly so that they, um, so that they, so that they can get their best response. A lot of times, if you start with an edible, a soft gel or a, or a tincture or something that you just swallow quickly, uh, you don't get the results for 60 to 90 minutes. And then the response is unpredictable. And a lot of people quit after they do that because they either didn't get a response or they took too much and didn't like that response. So the edibles, I have a lot of issues, but they're great for people who understand the product and how to use it and they, and they, their expectations are in place, then you can do pretty well with an edible. But a lot of people have, you know, trouble starting there. Well, and back to hospice, go ahead. I'm also very interested in these personal vapes, you know, not the vapes. I think we need to spend a little more time studying vapes before we do, you know, a green light on all the vapes again, and we need more regulation. But, um, you know, these newer uh, inhalation devices like the uh, personal respirators where they're like little mini ovens and they just sort of toast the cannabis instead of actually set it afire, they release a lot less carcinogens from the plant and uh, still release all the uh, cannabinoids and terpenes. I find those really interesting. Is that the kind of product? I can't quite think of the manufacturer's name. Um, I think it was Arden. Probably the pack. Okay. Uh, I was thinking actually of one called Ardent, which was a small canister where you pre-baked, roughly speaking, you pre-baked the cannabis and just you heated it up slightly to reduce some of the, and then it it somehow developed some of the qualities, some of the terpenes of the esters in the plant. I mean, I, I can't remember the next thing. I'm not sure if she was making it to make topicals, but the idea of these little personal ovens that pre-cook it slightly, then you consume it in other ways, I think is a fascinating area. I, have you done research in that or are you versus versus the the issue we're having with vape pens and I think from my own research I think part of that issue is there are some manufacturers that added other liquids to them to cause it to burn better or flow or something and I thought that was really tricky I think vape pens are tricky that's yeah, a personal judgment I think that any recommendations around vape pens have to be made very carefully right now because there's issues with which oil it could that, that could be the problem. And in reality, we're not designed to inhale oil. You know, that the lungs aren't designed to inhale oil and manage oil. They're designed to inhale air. So this, you know, an oily, the addition of oil in a vape pen is, um, is, is something to think about also. But there's the flavorings, which are definitely, uh, mm-hmm. in many cases, irritating to the uh, lung tissue and can cause damage. And there's also issues with the metals. You know, a great vape pen is going to be made differently than a mediocre vape pen, and you're going to get different metal exposures. So it's hard to say what caused the problems there. But the uh, yeah, the research um, on uh, on inhalation versus using one of these uh, personal vaporizers, you know, does show that there's less carcinogens in the uh, in the personal vaporizer. Um, if I remember right, 10% of the carcinogen exposure that uh, one gets when you're smoking. Wow. A significant decrease. That's significant. And is yeah. anybody doing is anybody doing any work using something like a an old school uh well actually a slightly more high tech version of a nebulizer using an ultrasonic uh so that you have oh, a slight I love that mist? idea. Isn't that such a great idea? I think an atomizer in the future would be a really wonderful uh, mode of administration. I know that they're working on it, but that makes so much more sense to put the product in more of a watery base. Because you add moisture in. Yeah, I'm a big fan of nebulizers. I use them for other things. I use nebulizers even for ultrasonic, not heat, but ultrasonic 
for even aromatherapy That's or just amazing. to get a scent into a room or just in general or inhaling uh, sometimes when there's, particularly I'm in the area of California where there are a lot of fires there is so there was a lot of tissue irritation wow. and sometimes I would just use a nebulizer for moisture just to breathe yeah. in mist into my lungs so I'm a I'm a huge fan of nebulizers so I think delivering it that way would be great because you have moisture yeah, and delivery yeah. You always have to have some lipids in the delivery system because, you know, it's a lipophilic uh, product, THC, CBD, all of the cannabinoids prefer to live in a lipid, lipid than in a water. So, you know, they will, uh, they'll clump up in water, they'll cling to each other. So it's, uh, in any case, it would be nice to see some new delivery mechanisms, but the old fashioned inhalation mechanisms are probably not as concerning as uh, as we used to think that they were in terms of uh, of lung disease, and they may be helpful in controlling lung inflammation. So mm-hmm. we'll wait for some really fancy new um, delivery mechanisms, and they'll be uh, they'll be fun to uh, see how people like them. <laughs> and what do you but back to you back to you back to your your friend with the Bluetooth thing? Really, it's not two worlds I want to put together. Um, I'm not wild about electron. <laughs> you know, EMF is a whole other show. Um, oh yeah. What do you right. think about? So we could actually be. Yeah, <laughs> really. So do you want to do be that? Making it worse and making really? it better. <laughs> really? Do you need to be having more EMF drive driven into your body? No, I, I think not. Yeah, who, raise your hand if you feel like you're not getting enough EMF. <laughs> Please take one step forward. Yeah, go ahead. You go do that. No, just because my cat likes to sleep on the router doesn't mean it's good. I, I still don't understand that. Um, <laughs> what? What about topicals? I want to jump for a moment to CBDs or even, uh, well, actually both topicals, CBD and THC, because I know, or at Mm -hmm. least from, uh, actually it was Elizabeth Dost, the hospice nurse, who introduced me the idea of you can't, you don't get high off of topical THC because we don't assimilate the THC to get stoned, to use an old term. Mm Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. what about topical delivery systems in terms of, uh, particularly with the CBD dominant forms, creams or salves or any of those for joint inflammation or pain or any of that? What are your feelings about applying I, topicals? I've always uh, been so skeptical that topicals are going to work, but but I've talked to I really have, I mean, I would have to say the number of people that have tried a topical and have told me it didn't work is so small. It's maybe maybe a handful. The um, the vast majority of people who use a topical really love it. And and I think it's, uh, it's, a, it's a great delivery system, especially if you have, you know, a weekend warrior syndrome where you've got, you know, a, a, a bad knee or an ankle that bothers you if it's a, if it's a specific uh, joint, because, you know, if there's arthritis everywhere, you probably want to take it internally. Um, uh, some people will call me saying it's not working, but they're, you know, smearing a topical on, on 10 or 15 joints. And that's just, at that point, we have to change gears a little, Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, so if you're dealing with that kind of a thing, but sure, if you have an isolated arthritis pain or if you're dealing with an isolated area of inflammation, um, it, it, it's it's a very nice product on the on the skin, both for the skin but also for that focus of pain. It's uh, it, you're you're right. I was I, I'm surprised myself at how well topicals work. I have a whole group of uh, nerds that I know, uh, straight nerds, meaning they don't do drugs that have slowly uh, used a topical that they, because they, they lean toward having carpet tunnel because they're pounding on keyboards all day long, either gaming or creating code. Um, and they've had, you know, it started with one and then suddenly it's two and then it's five and then it's, you know, 20 of them in a whole pack of really just classic nerds. I, I myself am a nerd. Mm-hmm. I'm a card-carrying nerd. Um, and <laughs> it's really amazing how they're just now, when they see me, they want to know more about it. Like, oh, my God, Bob told me that his wrist up. And it's, and it's a great delivery. It's, it's easy to apply. It's, it's, again, self-controlling because you, you have the ability to monitor yourself and see. And the creams that I recommend all smell nice. 
So, I mean, I think it's, I like it as a delivery system. And yeah, I think it's a great idea. And on top of smelling nice and that massage being a really important part of just having a, uh, right. having a, uh, a good experience. You're also, you know, uh, when you're dealing with a, a topical like that, you can deliver other things like a menthol or eucalyptus or um, any number of other medications that have various levels of potency in doing what they're doing. So I, I think that's part of the, the joy of those too, sort of like surrounding your cannabis with terpenes. You can, you know, put all kinds of other products in there. Let's, you said the secret word, the Groucho Marx secret word, terpenes. Terpenes, are, <laughs> terpenes aren't exclusive to cannabis. We, I, I, I think it's kind of funny oh, how yeah. we really had not heard the word terpene much until it was used in the cannabis world. But talk about some of the other terpenes, the, the mango, you know, the classic is the mango or the lemonades or those, how they actually do work together, don't they? Uh, the terpenes, uh, a lot of people would say the CBD or the THC starts the engine, but the terpenes drive the car. They really mm. create the experience. Yeah, to where some people will say if you use this strain, you're going to experience, you know, this type of a feeling or if you use this strain, you know. And that's where medicinally we can dial things in and provide you with a product that's going to be more specifically associated with helping your nausea or with helping pain, you know, or, or with really helping you relax in the setting of depression and anxiety. So um, so those, uh, th- that's all the result of different terpene profiles. And you're right, one of the most well-known terpenes is the limonene, which is an uh, extract from citrus. And, and you can get it from, it's basically, these terpenes are basically the essential oils of cannabis. And you can find a lot of the same products in various essential oils that you can that you can buy from your essential oil distributor. But limonene is also found in your um, kitchen, just in lemons or oranges or other citrus. And pinene, another uh, very common terpene that gives a lot of cannabis its piney odor, is it comes from pine tree bark and a lot of supplements, but also in basil and pine nuts in your kitchen. And, uh, and, and so there's um, a lot, of, and there's also great terpenes in black pepper, uh, in black pepper extracts. And uh, I, I did a, a shot a video. I know you're not going to believe this, but I shot a video on terpenes. <laughs> I, think I, I think I have three of them now. But um, my, my daughter was home from college and she came out of her bedroom and said, so basically what you want me to do to, to improve the tone of my endocannabinoid system is make a pesto? <laughs> yes. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you don't need to do anything other than eat really great food. And uh, and then you can have um, all of those terpenes uh, enhancing the tone of your ECS without ever taking any CBD or other um, or other cannabinoids. You know, but you can have them in varying concentrations uh, with your cannabinoids to to make the experience more relaxing or more stimulating. And and, the, and the, the, the drug companies, the pharmaceutical companies, the cannabis companies are way ahead of us on this. So if you go to a dispensary, there will be a line of pens, for example, and one of them will say calm or one of them says, um, you know, sleep or one of them says focus uh, so that you, you the, the product is intended to be formulated so that most people will have a, a a focused, concentrated uh, effort in the morning with the focus pen and then be able to use the sleep pen to fall asleep about an hour after they take it. And how do you feel about adding cannabis? I see formulas in dispensaries now where you're taking, can- you, you have a particular strain of cannabis and they're adding it to what I would consider to be like old school herbal formulas, like a nervine, which is a nerve tonic or a nerve, you know, relaxing, like chill formula. I'm certain there's a chill mm-hmm. formula. Um, what are your feelings mm-hmm. about adding cannabis to other herbs in the sense of those kinds of formulations? Oh, I think that some of the most innovative work uh, being done 
right now, and I'm excited about that. They, I see a number of products where people are using well-known, uh, you know, uh, generally considered uh, safe um, products like valerian and skullcap, along with uh, a high CBD uh, cannabis strain to uh, to really um, help people fall asleep who are having a long time or are having long-term trouble with that. So I love to I love to look at products like that. I've also seen some great CBDs that are combined with adaptogens, and that seems like the perfect combination: herbal adaptogens. The only serious concern I have with that is that the CBDs are sticky molecules, and if they're in a solution like that with a lot of other molecules, there's the potential for them to clump, you know, to stick to other molecules or to just stick to each other. And that's um, not necessarily that easy to reverse with a shake of the bottle or something. So to some degree, I think we just have to make sure we're very carefully testing these products before they go to market because, you know, um, dropper full to dropper full, you might see some some differences. And it might be wise in those products as much as, it, as it's possible to think about a soft gel, you know, or a, a, a caplet so that, so that the product is, you know, mixed and then uh, shaped into specific, you know, amounts immediately rather than being allowed to sit as a tincture on the shelf. But I think that those uh, tools are coming and as more research comes about how the way CBD disperses through different um, different products, we'll, we'll be able to uh, produce them in the smartest possible way. So perhaps for now, until somebody does more research on this, that sticky molecule molecule issue, are we better off trying taking CBD in its pure form as an oil? Let's say a dropper full of a CBD, and then a little bit later, you'll fill in the blank there, um, taking a <laughs> dropper full of your Nervine sleep tonic. You know, I think that that's a, I think that that's a wise idea right now. And I don't have a problem with them combining in your stomach. I just have a problem with a 1,500 milligram bottle of CBD where the 1,500 milligrams clumps together in one little space of it, and then all of a sudden, you know, you have you have a, a you know, you're just not getting consistent uh, uh, administration amounts, and then that's frustrating. Sometimes it's working, sometimes it's not. So I, I, I love a lot of those, though. And, but I think if a patient, I mean, I love these products. This is, I think, a very innovative thing to do, and I love innovation. But I, but I think that um, until we are really sure, in a lot of cases, you may be better off just taking some products separately. And this probably isn't only CBD. It's probably a lot of products when you're taking a, a pill that has or, or a tincture that has 14 or 15 different uh, um, herbs in it. If it isn't working for you, just keep that in mind that you may be dealing with this clumping issue and you may want to, you know, pull them apart and try taking them separately or mixing them all together just before you take it. You know, it, it, that that might be a really great idea. You know, Richard, to just uh-huh. get them separately and then uh, and then pull it all together right before you're ready to take it. I love that idea. Yeah, because there are a lot. There are a number of, you know, for me, like a sort of a classic sleep formula would be skullcap, passionflower, maybe a little bit of valerian, and just a little bit of ginger because the ginger helps carry it into the system. So take that. Mm-hmm. And then add CBD separately, which is kind of I, partially I'm an advocate for that because that's what I do most nights. I take a dropper full of CBD <laughs> and then I take a dropper full of a sleep formula that I've made as a tincture. Um, and I find that at least I do get consistency out of that. You're answering a question I hadn't even thought of because I had used formulas with CBD in it that had herbs added. And I noticed like, I don't know, it wasn't working for me or at least consistently. Whereas with this delivery system, taking CBD oil by itself and then taking a dropper full of the sleep formula, I'm getting better results, at least more consistent. So I can adjust the dose up or down. Like I might need two dropper fulls on some nights of the tincture, but the CBD is always kind of consistent. So that's a, that's a great answer. I didn't ask. Thank you. 
(laughs) (laughs) Well, it probably is different for different, uh, and different, different molecules. You know, I don't, I wouldn't say that every molecule clumps, but we do appear to have, you know, some situations where this CBD is clumping when it's mixed with everything else. So, yeah, I'm a nice, I, I mean, I, I love a great uh, full-spectrum product. Uh, you know, there's a trace amounts of other cannabinoids, including THC, but also CBN and CBC and CBG. Just uh, a fuller, broad-spectrum uh, product gives you a, a number of, of, it gives you more of a whole plant experience. And then you can also, you know, um, the, adjust the terpenes in that or, or choose a strain that has um, particular terpenes. There's some. There's a few companies that I've been looking at more recently too that are growing uh, medicinal CBD um, plants that is to where you can get that strain specific pre-roll, and then instead of taking a tincture, you can uh, smoke a hemp that's high CBD. And they have, you know, um, that's just something I'm learning about. I just finished uh, doing a, uh, a. We're just putting the final touches on a book that'll be out in September with Sterling Publications. And we included reviews of 40 strains in that book, 40 medicinal strains, but that was of cannabis. There's all of these, you know, medicinal strains within the um, hemp or CBD community that that farmers are recognizing the value of and then creating these beautiful uh, uh, buds so you can buy, you know, a, either a pre-rolled cigarette or a bud of a, of a whole of a whole plant CBD, which I think is just so great. Don't you think it's just wonderful? That's incredibly exciting. I'm such a, hu- I, as I'll keep droning on about, but I'm such a huge fan of whole plant formulas because much as like, as we've seen in the cannabis world, I've been handling cannabis since the eighties. Well, since the seventies. All right. Since the seventies, I can't go back any further. <laughs> and since the seventies, and I've always been a fan of the, I mean, back in the old day, in the way old days, we were just happy if it grew. I mean, it was like, oh my God, look at what you grew. That's amazing. <laughs> and now it's down to everybody's talking about Girl Scout cookie versus, you know, I don't know, the Green Dragon or, you know, all these amazing strains. That's totally cool. But it's still, I, I really like whole plant because I think that we're going to continue to discover things we don't know yet. Mm-hmm. We haven't really, there's still, there's still that benefit. I, I understand that today the cool kids use the term, you know, entourage effect. We just used to call it a whole plant medicine. And I, I like it. I mean, once I understood what they were talking about, I thought it was about the movie or the group or the something, whatever the entourage was. Um, but that there is so much benefit to the things that we don't know are in there. There are little micronutrients and little miraculous things could, like the terpenes that could enhance something. So always having a whole plant extract as a foundation, that's why I'm such an advocate for that because I think there are trace elements in there we might not know about yet. And they can be quite powerful in really the action of what you're looking for. I think that's really true that, you know, we, and and people have to realize the way that these studies are manipulated to give you some concept that your supplement is going to work. Like, for example, in osteoporosis and women's health and fractures, you know, the, the population-based data, these long studies showed that women who eat a salad at least once a week have a dramatic reduction in their osteoporotic hip fractures postmenopausally. And what got delivered to the public was that vitamin K is protective against osteoporotic fractures because mm. they thought that it was the vitamin K in the salad. And, right. which it, and, and I think you just have to think about that for a second. We, we have data that a salad works. We have no data that taking an individual supplement worked. So what we really have to tell you is that you should eat a salad once a week and, <laughs> and get better. And, you know, so people have this crazy reliance on these supplements and, and extracts that are going to be better than the real deal. And it's just almost never true. It's, it's almost always that the whole product is where the data is and the whole product is where the benefit is. It's shocking. 
<laughs> really, like you, you know, there's a big, you know, I'm I'm a fan of taking vitamin C. Period. However, there's nothing like eating an orange. I mean, there's no, we can't replace an orange. You can't put an orange in a capsule just because you're taking ascorbic acid does not mean you're getting all the benefits of an orange. That's it. <laughs> so I'm, I'm completely on your team with whole plant medicine is really, it's great stuff. I'm, I'm a huge fan. Yeah. A lot of the data that we have comes down to living a healthy lifestyle rather than rather than living a you know a, a lot of the data we have like the benefits of vitamin D were based on people who were healthy and had normal high natural levels of vitamin D and those are people who are out in the sun who are busy you know outdoors and and exercising and taking care of their you know yards that are having these higher levels of vitamin D and living longer because they're productive you know healthier people and uh, and that somehow got uh, distilled down to take a vitamin D supplement. You know, again, with uh, you have the, the 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 ability of that supplement to be valuable to somebody is just utterly different than than actually getting the productive exercise. It's been such a pleasure to talk with you today, Richard. It's been a great interview. I feel like this well, has been one of my best interviews. Oh, thank you. No, I was really looking forward to talking to you. I'm already going to talk to you about doing an interview on your new book. Um, I want to toss in, I want to add to that, that I think it's really interesting that when I did a couple of interviews on people on the longevity studies, nowhere in any of the, and I've interviewed about half a dozen people about that, various views on the longevity studies. And when they came down to it, one of the areas where, in this instance, it happened to be the men that lived the longest was Sardinia. Now, the reason was, was because they go out and they herd, I can't remember which, sheep or goat, one of the furry creatures, all day long. They walk up and down hills all day long. And they eat, to them, is not known as an organic diet because that's how they've always eaten. <laughs> no. It's right. not like, oh, I eat organic. No, that's how they eat. They don't even know what that means. In native <laughs> cultures, you don't go, are you eating organic? They don't know what that is. They just eat. Regular food is, to them is what they're doing. And so nowhere in any of those studies were there conversations about their daily intake of supplementation. Amazing. No. And you know, you know what else they really don't talk about that they need to talk about is, the, is their daily intake of uh, of products, maybe not necessarily cannabis, but a lot of alcohol when the Sardinians get together, they have that super high antioxidant wine that they make and the, um, they, they, and they relax. It isn't necessarily that it's the tannins in the wine or it's the, you know, what it, the thing, it doesn't matter. It, it's not the wine. It's the fact that the wine is, is going into the body of these people and they get to relax. When they're with their friends, they don't have to sit there and wonder if they're smart enough or pretty enough or get anxious. It improves their social situation and they can just relax and hang out with their old friends. So it takes a situation that was already a 7 out of 10 to a 10 out of 10. And they do that all the time. So I think when you look at a lot of these blue zones, these zones of the world where people are, you know, and, and I, I spent you know, almost a decade of my life on vegan diet and talking about how the vegan diet was, was the answer there. That was the reason. That was the, the number one reason why those people um, lived so long. But I actually think the number one reason is because there's, there's, there's cannabis or alcohol or, you know, a, a reasonably safe, uh, well-made product that people can take to relax really relax and enjoy each well, other as good friends. Well, I also think that there's um, one of the missing parts, or and, and this, is, this was shown also in the longevity studies, is there's that gathering combination of, as I, I always like to term it, scuffing in the dirt and dancing around the fire. We, there's that getting together as a group, small groups, gatherings, that's a classic mm -hmm. sort of scene in, in most, you know, Italian films. At some point, you'll see a large table, lots of people, great wines, great food, and they're gathering and laughing and having a good time. 
that's that's underrated in well-being in my mind. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think I think it's a, a key thing. There are so many people that not only get anxious in that setting, but they get so anxious before they even leave their house that they don't even go. And then they stay at home. They don't get the exposure to other people in, and they don't get the, the social and, and they, they, it impacts their life negatively. I mean, very negatively. So just having something that allows you to take those steps that need to be taken just to leave your apartment is, is a very valuable thing for a whole bunch of people. My favorite study about that is a, um, it was a study where they took a group of generalized anxiety college student kids that were having a hard time leaving their apartment with their anxiety. And they gave them, they started an IV and did a PET scan, either with or without CBD. And they used a pretty high dose of CBD, but found that when the uh, young men were treated with CBD, their brains lit up differently, but they also reported less anxiety at 30 minutes, 60 minutes, 90 minutes, 120 minutes, all the way through the uh, study time. And then, um, and then similarly, uh, when they flipped the group, they took the group that hadn't been treated, uh, who had, who had a harder time and then flipped them over into the treatment arm. And they took the people on treatment and took them off and gave them the IV and the MRI without, without CBD. I mean, they were able to show a significant difference in anxiety. So it, it really helps to restore a normal life for a lot of people who are dealing with pretty significant anxiety disorders and small, but very classy studies, very elegant studies, you know, would, would argue that the, uh, that the shift in the brain function with the, with the CBD and cannabis is remarkable. It's very exciting. Wonderful. I think for our next show, I'm already planting the seed. uh, We'll talk about, (laughs) I think, I think eventually we will come to realize in, in the world of herbs, we have things called adaptogens and those are, and you've used this term before adaptogens, but we have adaptogens and the idea of an adaptogen is to help the system get into homeostasis or balance. And I think that we're going to eventually define cannabis as an adaptogen. I don't hear that many people talking about that. They talk around it, but they don't actually say mm-hmm. it's an adaptogen. And I think herbally that it is an adaptogen because it really is trying to help I us get too. into imbalance. I do too. I 100% agree with you. It's working to restore balance. That's what the product does. I, I, I think it's best. I think it's best identified as an adaptogen. And I, I think it's here along with a lot of other remarkable plants to make our lives better. I think it really points out that we have a creator or a universal guide or however you want to imagine, if you even do want to imagine. But I don't think that we're here to suffer and be, you know, in pain or I, I don't think that that's the intent here at all. I mean, and this proves it, that such an easy to grow, you know, plant is available for us to help you feel better anytime you need it. I think that's a great sign that everything is pointing in the right direction. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Where well, I'm surprised that I didn't know that we were here already. Um, I need to ask you about a, how do people work with you on one-on-one? Where would you like to find people to find out more information about you? And where can we find your books? Do you sell your books on your sites? All of those. Oh, wow. Well, I, the, uh, the, um, the next book is coming out, which I really love, uh, with Sterling Publications, and that'll be available from Barnes and Noble. That's coming out in September. I love that book. Everything else is available on Amazon. Uh, Get Wasted is a weight loss book around vegan diet, just so you know what you're getting into. <laughs> that's not that's, that was a passion of mine, and still is, but for a long time was something I uh, I, I, uh, I spent a lot of time on, but diet less so nowadays. Um, and, and then you can find me, of course, at cbdandcannabisinfo.com. I have a lot of material there, and I'm available anytime for um, an inexpensive group consultation or for a one-on-one 
uh, consultation, which I still try to keep at a very low price so that they make sense for people. Great. Wonderful. I, I can't help but say I love a good vegan meal with a perfectly cooked piece of grass-fed meat. So that's, <laughs> <laughs> that's my, yes, vegan, really, lots of vegetables. With that perfectly grilled piece of grass-fed meat, I'm totally in. Uh, it's a fabulous way to go. <laughs> People hate to uh, give up their meat. People hate to give up meat. A grass-fed. So it, it, it must be grass-fed, grass-fish, but it is true. Yes, I know. My head is hanging down slightly, but yeah. Well, you can, <laughs> uh, you, can um, you know, when you look at the fat profiles of grass-fed animals, it, they really are much safer than, uh, you know, than the farm-fed animals. There's uh, farm-fed animals are just like eating cupcakes, you know, but, uh, <laughs> but a grass-fed wow. animal, there may be some <laughs> nutrition in there. <laughs> That's great. I'm going to quote you on that. That is excellent. I haven't heard it expressed that way. That's so perfect. Hostess Twinkie or Factory Farm Beef. Excellent. I will use that. Thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. Everybody have Thanks a great rest of the week. Today. Thank you so much. And uh, everybody have a great rest of the week, and we'll see you next week. Bye-bye.